Everyone else, I'd encourage you, if you have your Bible with you, to open up to Galatians chapter 3 as we're continuing to to preach through Paul's letter to the the churches in Galatia, and we're just preaching through verse by verse. We've we've arrived now at Galatians chapter 3. And as you're, as you're turning there, wasn't, wasn't last week such an exciting, encouraging uh, week? Um, I, I know I, my, my heart was encouraged. I know many of you were encouraged. Uh, we got to celebrate along with Yaya and friends and family. Uh, we got to celebrate her baptism, got to hear about uh, God, how God has been working in her, her life and, and what a gift that was. Uh, it, it truly was. It was an encouragement to, to all of us. It's an encouragement to the entire church when we get to hear someone testify and bear witness to the grace of God in their life. Um, it, it works in each of us a little bit different of a way. It, it works in the heart of those that God is calling to himself but have not yet put their faith in him, and it encourages them to come to faith in Christ. And, and for those of us who have been walking with Christ for some time, it, it, it's good for us because it, it, it reminds us that God calls us to continue in the faith. The same way that we were called to faith, we're to continue in the faith. And so to hear someone's testimony, to celebrate someone's baptism, it, it, it points us all back to remembering the work that God has done in each of our lives. And it calls us, each of us, to, to remember the beginning. And that's, that's, that's the, this morning's uh, sermon title is Remember the Beginning, because this passage in Galatians is a call to us to remember how our life with God began. You see, we're called to remember how our life with God began because in remembering how your life with God began, that instructs you now in how to live. This is what Jesus wants for us. By, by reminding us of how we, we came to start this life with God, that is instructing us now in how we are to continue in this life with God. And isn't this what Jesus was getting at in Luke 18, uh, 17, when he, when he points his disciples back to even childhood? And he says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, Jesus is not telling us to be childish, but he's saying that our lives and our faith should be childlike. He's saying, remember the beginning. I mean, remember what it was like to be five years old. And the biggest thing you had to worry about was what game you were going to play later that day. Or the, or the biggest stressor you had on your mind was just what vegetable, it was, what it, what, what vegetable was going to be on your plate that you had to push through in order to get to dessert. I mean, those were the days, right? Those five-year-old days. I mean, living as a five-year-old, you shouldn't really have a care in the world. Uh, you're just enjoying life, hanging out with friends, eating snacks trusting your parents, depending upon them, knowing that they've got you. And so Jesus, when he's trying to help us know how to receive the kingdom, how to live in his kingdom, he tells us to remember the beginning, go back to being more childlike. And Paul, in a similar way in Galatians 3, is going to rebuke the Galatians. This is a, this is a strong word this morning. And, I, and for those of you that are just meeting me or don't know me, I don't usually, I'm not going to I don't usually preach as strong of rebuke as I am going to this morning because that's just where the text goes. And to be faithful to the text, today needs to be a strong rebuke. In Galatians 3, it's a strong rebuke, and he's telling them, he's exhorting them to remember how their new life with God began. 
Like, remember the beginning. Think back to how it all began, because by remembering how your life with God began, that will instruct you now in how to live. And so that's where we're picking things up. Last week, we learned in Galatians 2 that a person is not justified by works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we talked last week about how it is through faith that his story becomes our story. For this is what it truly means to be a Christian. It means to be united to Christ. And we become united to Christ through faith. Well, what is faith? We defined faith last week as faith is a resting of the heart on God. A resting of the heart on God. This is how someone comes to be right with God. This is how someone comes to be justified with God. It doesn't come through good works. It comes through faith, through resting your heart on Jesus and his story now becoming your story. We were justified and united to Christ through faith. But here's the problem that now needs to be addressed today. We now want to take things from here. Like we think, hey, we're, we're old enough now, we're mature enough now, we're strong enough now that we're going to now take things over from God. Like, thanks God for getting us started, thanks for Jesus, thanks for justification, thanks for the gospel, that was a great way to get started, but we'll take things from here. We're grown-ups now, you know, we're big stuff now. We, we've, we've read some books. We've done some studies about God. We know a lot more now than we did when we were kids. We've heard a lot of sermons. We've taken some classes. And so now we're going to try to move forward in life in our own strength. And church, something, something really strange can happen in the life of a believer after they've been following Jesus for a while, which is why we, which is why we all can never forget the beginning. We can never forget how we came to Christ. We can never forget the, the joy of, of, of Yahya and others like sharing their testimony about God's grace in their life. We can never forget that because something strange happens once you've been following Jesus for a while, and that is that you can start to have more faith in yourself than you actually do in God and his word. And God's word comes to us today, and it directly confronts that type of foolishness, and those who would think or live that way. God does not want us to just start the Christian life by faith in Christ. He wants us to continue the entire way by faith in Christ. Christ came, lived, died, and was raised so that, yes, we would be justified by faith, and so that we would grow by faith, and so that we would finish by faith. Christ freed you from Satan's sin and death so that you could now live by faith the entire way to glory. Remember how your life with God began. Because remembering how your life with God began instructs you in how to live right now. And let's pray and let's ask uh, the Lord to help us as we look at his word. Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I, I think of our brother uh, Dwayne right now. Um, and Lord, he, he asked me, he asked us to pray, God, that he would, he would finish well. That he would be full of faith till the very end. 
And so, Lord, this week we've celebrated new faith, but we're also lifting up our brother and asking that, Lord, you would strengthen him and fill him with faith to the very end. That you would comfort him, God. That he would sense your presence. That he would, he would know his, his and trust his union with you, his communion with, with the saints who he can't be with right now, Lord. May you strengthen him. And God, as we, as we read your word this morning, may you fill us with faith as well. Lord, may every heart, every person in here, may we be quick to hear and slow to speak. May we be slow to be angry. May we put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and may we receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. And so, Father, I ask that you would help us hear with faith today. Help us receive your word with meekness today. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Look with me now, Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now let's stop there for a second. This is not nice. For, to, to clarify, for those of you that think being a Christian always equates with being nice, this is not nice. Now this is loving. This is loving. And we shouldn't always be like this. This is loving. But this is not nice. This is a direct and a stern rebuke by Paul to the churches in Galatia. And so let's remember our context. Remember the occasion for him writing this letter. He initially had gone through this region preaching the gospel. People were coming to faith in Christ. He was planting churches, but now he's been away from them for a short time. False teachers have come in and started telling them that they needed to add works to the gospel of grace. That faith in Jesus wasn't enough to be justified, that they also needed circumcision, that they also needed some dietary restrictions, that they also needed some of the ceremonial law. And so some of the Galatians have started to believe this. Some of them have started to question whether or not faith in Christ is really enough. They're thinking maybe we should add some things back to the message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I don't know. Maybe it seems logical that maybe this is too easy. Maybe we need to add some things to it. Maybe maybe the gospel was how we're supposed to get started, but now we need to take things into our own hands and, and, and do some other things. And Paul says, you foolish Galatians. One commentator translates this, you idiotic Galatians. Which let's just, let's just pause right there and, and acknowledge that we all need some people in our lives who are willing to call us idiots when we are being idiots. We need that. We need that. We need people in our lives who will call us foolish when we are acting foolishly. But listen, in order for that to happen for you, in order that to actually play out in real life, uh, living in a day and age where people easily get offended and where we don't want to offend one another, we're afraid of, of, of that, and, and uh, 
listen, in order for this to actually happen, you probably need to go after this sermon to one or two close friends, and you need to give them permission to tell you that you are being foolish when you are being foolish. For we all act foolishly at times, but it is the grace of God when we have people who love us enough, who are close with us, that we've allowed to speak into our lives and tell us that we are being foolish. Most people only surround themselves with people who will flatter them and encourage them to live how they really want to live. But church, if you took your sin seriously, and if you desire to live by faith, you have to have people in your life who will call you foolish at times. And this is the grace of God to the Galatians. They have a brother in Paul who loves them enough to not be nice to them in this situation, to not stroke their ego in this situation, but to tell them that they're being foolish right now. You're being foolish right now, churches in Galatia. You've tolerated people adding things to the gospel. You've tolerated people diluting the gospel, and as a result, they've been distorting the gospel. You are being foolish right now, he says. But it's even worse than just being foolish. He says, who has bewitched you. Paul here uses the language that was used in pagan rituals to cast spells on people. That's the word he's using. He says, it's like someone has cast a spell on you. It's like some demonic force has come in through you giving an ear to these false teachers and they have deluded your thinking. Who has, who has bewitched you? He, like, I want names. He wants names. Who has been encouraging you to live differently than how you began with God? Like what kind of lies have you opened the door to in your life that has now entranced you? From Paul's perspective, it's like these Galatians, they were intoxicated. They were under the influence of this false teaching that they've forgotten how they began their new life in God and they've started to go their own way. They've forgotten how they began their new life in God, and they've started now going man's way, all the while still going to church and still looking very religious and still carrying the scriptures. And to other people, they still look okay. But Paul sees through it all, says, you are being foolish. Who has bewitched you? Who has influenced you? You see, church, if the evil forces of the enemy have failed in keeping you from coming to Christ, which they all have for those of you that are in Christ, if they have failed on, on that, the enemy then will do everything they can to keep you from continuing to live by faith in Christ. Like if they've already failed their mission to keep you from coming to Christ, they will now do everything they can to keep you from continuing to live by faith in Christ. And Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He then says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul knows that since he was the one who preached the gospel to them, that in a sense they witnessed Christ crucified through his preaching. He preached the gospel simply and plainly to them. Uh, the, he, he preached that no one is saved by their works. This is why Jesus had to come and die. 
He preached the cross of Christ to them. And the cross of Christ reminds us of just how hopeless a state we were in apart from God intervening. Every time you see the cross of Christ or hear it preached, you should be reminded of just how horrific your sin was and just how great your Savior is. And Paul, now in an attempt to correct their foolishness and sober them up from this false teaching that has bewitched them, he starts to ask them a series of rhetorical questions. Look with me at these questions, starting in verse 2. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's essentially saying, think back to how it all began. Let's think back to when you started your new life with God. Did that come about by you doing good works? Or did the Spirit come to you by hearing with faith? And the obvious answer is, by hearing with faith. It was when you heard the gospel preached with faith. That is when you were justified. That is when you were declared right with God. And that is when you received the Holy Spirit. This is how it began. It began by faith. You received the Spirit by faith. You humbly trusted God for your forgiveness and justification. You humbly depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, remember how your life with God began. Your life with God began by grace, through faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how your new life with God began. By grace, through faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Next question, verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected, excuse me, by the flesh? He says, are you really being this foolish that you think your life, you think you begin your life in Christ dependent upon the Spirit, but now you're going to take things from here? Um, This would be like me walking up to a construction crew who's building a house and they've got, it's this nice big custom home. They've got half of it done. And this would be like me arriving and looking at their work and saying, hey guys, great work. It looks good. I think I know where you're going with this. I'll take it from here. And for those of you that know me, you know I have no carpentry skills at all. And that would be ridiculous if I actually did that. But this is what that is like. This is like you hiring a professional artist to paint a, for, a family portrait. And, and uh, you know, your family is there posing and they're painting the portrait, which I don't know if many people do that anymore, but it would be interesting if you did. I would love to hear if some, one of you have ever had this done. But it would be like they're halfway through painting your family portrait and you kind of see what they're doing. And you're like, hey, great work. Looks good. I think you're off to a good start. I'll take it from here. And you have no art skills at all. This would be like you're on a flight and halfway to your destination, you go up to the pilot and say, hey, thanks for getting us started. I'll I'll take over from here. I see where we're headed. I know, you know, I'm pretty sure I can handle this. This is like you driving in a car, being halfway to a destination that you don't know where you're going. You've got your phone and your GPS out. You're following the destination. And then halfway there, you decide, you know what? I'm going to turn the phone off. I'm going to trust my instincts to get me there the rest of the way. 
Galatians, are you being serious with me right now? You were dependent upon the Spirit to bring you to God, but now you think you're going to take it the rest of the way? You think you're going to tap the Spirit and say, all right, I'll take over from here? Paul goes on with more questions. Verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Some of the Galatians and the early Christians had started to be persecuted for, that, for their faith. Was, was that all for nothing, if you're just going to go back to works and adding things to the gospel? Verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul reminds them that the Spirit has worked miracles in them. Not because of their works, but through them hearing the word with faith. And church, the same Spirit that worked miracles in the churches of Galatia has continued to work miracles amongst us as well. We have seen people healed in this church. We have seen people delivered from the influence of evil in this church. We have seen gifts of the Spirit be given to the body of believers here in this church. But know this, know this. When we're honest about the condition of our heart before Christ intervened, the fact that anyone in here can say Jesus is Lord and confess and turn from their sin and seek God, listen, that is absolutely a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Each of us has experienced to some degree a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. We are walking miracles, those of us who claim that Jesus is Lord. And it's not dependent upon us. It's not our strength that that made us a miraculous work. It's all dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Look with me up on the screen at Titus 3 to see just what a miraculous work the Holy Spirit has done in each of us. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The Spirit has done a miraculous work in each of us. That word uh, regeneration, it's, it's essentially a word that means um, another Genesis, like the beginning, Genesis again. It's, it's, it's the rebirth. Uh, he's, he's made our hearts new. Our, our hearts have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. The beginning of our new life in Christ, it was miraculous, church. It was miraculous. And it was dependent upon the Holy Spirit to make it happen. 
And so, church, remember how it all began. Remember how it all began. Your new life came about by the grace of God. Your new life came about through trusting the word of God, Jesus Christ. And your new life was absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It was a miraculous work in your heart. This was how your life with God began. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Remember how your life with God began. It was a miraculous work. That is how your life with God began. And this is how your life in Christ must carry on until glory. So do not be foolish and turn back to your own way. Do not be foolish and turn back to man's way. There really are only two choices in life, and that is God's way or man's way. God's way is living by grace through faith, depending upon the Holy Spirit. That's God's way. Man's way is the opposite. Man's way rejects grace because we want to earn it and we want others to earn it. Man's way does not trust the word of God. No, man's way trusts himself or anyone with an Instagram account. Man's way does not depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Man's way tries to advance his life by his own strength. And so my question for you is, are you right now today walking in God's way or man's way? Don't be foolish. Remember how your life with God began. Remember how your life with God began began. It was by grace, it was through faith, and it was dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk through some common ways where we start to veer off the path of God's way and we start going back to man's way. Because this is how we started. We started our life with God by grace, through faith, dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. But somewhere along the way, we start going back to man's way. And so here are some common ways that that happens. One of the ways is we allow false teachers or false teaching, like the Galatians said. We allow these false teachers or false teaching to spew a false gospel that speaks a message that life and even the gospel itself is primarily about you. We, we start listening to teaching and teachers that sort of uh, uh, stoke this, this fire, this burning in us where um, we really want it to be all about us. We, we desperately want life to be all about us. I mean, I know most of you, 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 you're secretly hoping that you're like on the Truman Show and all the cameras are on you and you're the main character. Everyone else is sort of a supporting role, Right? I mean, we desire for life to be all about us, and so when we hear a message that even just hints at it might be all about us, we, we, we latch on to it, we give, we give a, a voice to it in our life. And this is the water we, we swim in as a culture. And so some of you, you even began your life with God by maybe hearing a skewed gospel presentation that you should invite Jesus into your life and he will make your life even more awesome than it already is. 
and give you the perfect spouse and the perfect job and the perfect health and an abundance of wealth and everything that you deserve and you, because you deserve it all. Now hear me. Inviting Jesus into your life is a great thing. And he will make your life amazing. But your life really won't start to become amazing until you recognize that all of creation, including yourself, was not primarily created for you, but it was created for him. And your life really doesn't start to be transformed until you recognize that biblical Christianity is not primarily you inviting God into your life, but God inviting you into his That's that's the, the call. That's the message, right? It's not you just inviting God into your life. I mean, yes, to some degree that's true, but it's primarily God inviting you to join him. This is why you, some of you are stuck with, with a childish faith, not a childlike faith, a childish faith, you, because you've invited Jesus into your ways to follow you and just make your life a little bit better. But the invitation from Jesus is actually so much better. It's so much more joyful. It's so much more freeing. He's invited you to join him and to follow God's way. And isn't that what we just learned in Galatians 2? In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old me died when Christ died. The life I live is Christ living in me. I'm united to his life, and his life lives through me. And now I live by faith in Jesus in my real everyday life with real everyday decisions. I'm trusting him and his word because I know that he loved me and gave himself for me so that I could be rescued from my self-seeking vain glory and be freed to glorify him. And so, church, who... Who is telling you that you are the most important being in the universe? If someone is, listen, I want names. I want podcast names. I want YouTubers. Uh, who, who is telling you this? Who is telling you that you deserve? Like, like who, who is telling you that others are to blame for your lack of joy and progress in the Lord? Who, who is telling you that, that you are a victim and oppressed? Like, who, who has bewitched you? Who are you being foolish to listen to? Have you ever considered that Jesus has invited you into his life? The call of Jesus is to to come and die for your old life, to die so that he might live in you. Some of you seem to be continually rejecting the grace of God And going back to man's way, not God's way. Remember, God's way is receiving and extending the grace of God. Man's way is rejecting the grace of God. Some of you are rejecting the grace of God continually because you don't trust the word of God in your everyday life. It was maybe good for the gospel presentation when you came to faith, but, I mean, real life, we're going to need real decisions. Like, we can't just be believing what God's word says. 
Oh, God's word, it was good to get me justified, but, but not really for the decisions of everyday life. And church, this is another common way where we turn off from God's way and we go back to man's way. This is when we stop hearing the word with faith. When we stop hearing the word with faith, we go from living God's way to living man's way. But remember how your life with God began. It began by hearing with faith. I mean, some of you have heard so much of the word that you could quote more of it than I could. But have you heard it with faith? Are you still hearing it with faith? Hearing it, hearing God's word with faith is how you must now carry on with God. There is no other option that leads to life. To hear the word without Believing it and with no desire to obey it will only lead to a hardened heart towards God and others and a distorted view of who he really is. This is the danger of the church kid, for the church kid or the church person who has heard the word but is not hearing it with faith. It starts to harden them towards God and others. It starts to distort their view of God. But church, we must live now how we began with God then, and that is by hearing with faith. Hearing with faith. Now, I'm going to read to you some difficult passages to hear with faith, just to see how we're doing with this. But let's ask the Lord to help us hear with faith the word of God. The first one, let's hear with faith the word of God from James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, to hear this with faith, church, it will breathe life into every trial that you are facing right now. Hear it with faith. Hear with faith the word of God from 1 Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Down to verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Church, to hear this with faith, it will breathe life into every marriage and household in here. Hear with faith the word of God from Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
hear this with faith, to hear those verses with faith, and that was my fault, Colin, I didn't send that one to you, to hear this with faith will breathe life into every relationship you have. It will. Church, remember how your life with God began. It began by you hearing the word of God with faith. Have you stopped hearing the word with faith? Have you stopped trusting God? Here's one way to diagnose that. Brennan Manning, the author of a Ragamuffin Gospel, he wrote this. He said, let's say I interviewed 10 people asking each the same question, do you trust God? And each answered, yes, I trust God, but nine of the 10 actually did not trust God. How would I find out which one of the 10 was telling the truth, right? So let's say we did that this here. I, I'm sure if I asked 10 of you, did you trust God? You all, all 10 would say yes, but nine of you actually didn't. How would we figure it out? Well, this is what Brennan Manning thinks. And I would, I would agree. He says, I would videotape each one of the 10 for a month. And then after watching the videos, patch, past judgment using this criterion, the person, with an, the person with an abiding spirit of gratitude is the one who trusts God. The foremost quality of a trusting disciple is gratefulness. And Jesus, there was a similar story with Jesus where he heals 10 lepers and only one comes back to thank him. And the one that comes back to thank him is the one that he says, your faith has healed you. There is some degree of connection there between our trusting God and it being shown by our thankfulness to God. And so do you have a, a, a spirit, do you have a heart that, that, that thanks God for things? And if you don't, could that be a, a sign that there's a lack of trust there? There's a lack of hearing and trusting the Word of God. And I would add to that, I would add to our, our uh, a disciple who is trusting Christ as a disciple who's thankful, I would add to that quality the, what we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. Someone who's really trusting Jesus, their lives should be marked by these things. Someone who's really hearing the word with faith, their lives will have these characteristics about them. They will be ones who rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Colin, you can leave that up for a few minutes. You see, church, someone who is continuing to trust Jesus and his word, there will certainly be things to be sorrowful about in life, absolutely. But there will always be things to rejoice about as well for those who are trusting Jesus. Someone who is continuing to trust Jesus and his word will be in constant communication with him. I mean, one of the main signs that, that you think you can live without trust in, in Christ, one of the main signs that you think you can live without a dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit is that you live a prayerless life. You think, why would I need to pray? I can just read more books about God. I can just get more systematic theologies about God. And don't be, don't be foolish, church. 
Who told you you could walk with God and not talk with God? Who has bewitched you and told you that a thorough knowledge of God could excuse communicating with him? Remember how your life with God began. He called you and you cried out to him. When's the last time you cried out to him? A prayerless life is a powerless life and he would love to hear from you. He would love to continue to communicate with you. Someone who is continuing to trust Jesus and not depend on their own strength is is someone who is continually talking with the Lord. Someone who is continuing to trust Jesus will also be able to thank God in all circumstances, like the verse says. To thank God in all circumstances. Now listen, I did, a, I did a word study. I got into the Greek. I tried to get us out of this one. But the word all, it actually means all. Someone who is trusting Jesus can thank him even for the difficult, painful hard things in life because it's often the difficult things that keep us walking in God's way and not going back to man's way. Remember how your life with God began and live now how you began with God then. This is God's way. Life began then with God's grace being extended to us through trusting Jesus and his word, hearing it with faith, and it was dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Another common way that we start to drift from God's way back to man's way and we start living by our own strength and not depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit is this. This happens when people seem to not care at all about grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who the Father and Son sent to you to empower you. This happened when you believed and were justified. The Spirit strengthens and empowers us to continue on in God's way. But when we live in unrepentant sin, we, we sadden Him, we distress Him, we offend Him, we, we grieve Him. Now, we don't lose our salvation when we sin, but we do get out of step with the Spirit when we sin. We, we hurt and break our fellowship with God when we sin, which is why we need to be a people who continually confess and repent of sin. It's not to keep getting resaved, but it is to restore the fellowship we have with God. And church, there are certain sins that especially grieve the Holy Spirit. Are, are we, do we know this? Are we aware of this? Is this? Do we realize this, that there are certain sins that especially grieve the Holy Spirit, and by not repenting of these sins, we miss out on his power in our life? Look with me now at Ephesians 4. We'll have this up on the screen. Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
as God in Christ forgave you. Church, are you grieving the Holy Spirit right now? And if you are, what, what kind of teaching or teacher or voice have you allowed in your life where you have heard that it is, it, is more some, it is more important to teach someone a lesson and hold a grudge than it is to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Like, who told you that? That's foolishness. Do not be foolish and become bewitched by those who speak false, false things in your ear. Remember how your life with God began, because by remembering how your life with God began, it instructs you in how to live now. You began by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you can continue on. And so do not, do not be so flippant. Do not be okay with grieving the Holy Spirit now just because you're afraid of letting go of something that you think will let someone else off the hook. Listen to me, do not be so foolish to think that you can continue with Christ in your own strength, listening to your own wisdom and the flattery of the false teachers. The Christian is powered by pure, unleaded, ungrieved spirits. The spirit is saddened and sorrowful and grieved at your bitterness, at your wrath, at your anger, at your clamor, at your slander, at your malice. Some of you care more about how you feel than how the Holy Spirit feels right now. And that is absolute foolishness. To care more about how you feel than how the Holy Spirit feels right now? Grieving him? Sorrowful? Saddened for how you're living? You don't care about that? You don't think you're not dependent upon his power to, to carry on? You're just going to throw that out the window? Some of you think if you could just get yourself together, then you'd have the strength to carry on? Listen, if you'd only repent and turn from what is grieving the Holy Spirit, you would unleash the actual power of God in your life. This is what happened when you first believed. And this is how we are supposed to continue on to live till glory. We're supposed to live by the power of the Holy Spirit who starts just releasing us from our chains of sin and bondage and self-righteousness, who starts freeing us from our bitterness and anger and our slander and our malice, starts working these miraculous things in our life, starts empowering us to forgive people that we think we could never forgive. But church, we're not going to be able to do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So do not grieve him. Repent and turn from however you are grieving him right now. You are utterly dependent upon his power in your life to continue on. Looking back at Galatians, 
It is clear we are not going to get to Abraham today in verse 6, so that will be where we pick up next time we're, we're back in Galatians. But church, remember how your life with God began. That's what I would like you to take away from this morning. Remember how your life with God began, because remembering how your life with God began, it is so instructive to you in how to live right now. We continue to live the same way that our life began back then. Now, here's the glorious thing about our God. What, he, what God calls us to is, what, excuse me, what God calls us to do is primarily based upon what he has already done. God has already extended grace to us. God has provided us a savior to trust and the faith to rest our hearts upon him. God has sent us the spirit to empower us to continue on in him. And he has promised us that the work that he has started in us, he will finish. And we don't need to take it into our own hands. Church, this is good news. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He is not looking for you to pick things up halfway through and take it your own way. No, what he calls us to do is based upon what he has already done for us. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Therefore, what we are called to do is remember how our life with God began. Because remembering how our life with God began instructs us in how to live now. It began by grace, through faith, dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit, and it must now carry on by grace, through faith, dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And so, church, may you receive the grace of God today and be able to rejoice always. May you trust Jesus and his word with your real life, your everyday life, and may you love to pray without ceasing. And may you depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit all the while you give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's remember how our life with God began. Let's pray.